Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, Talking Truth. This is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy, or uh, Mater, whichever one. <laughs> and I'm here with my buddy Brian Clark. Brian, thanks for uh, being here again. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, Brian's awesome. We like to do this podcast. We like to uh, share Jesus with people. Um, uh, and and here, here's what we're doing, our season overview right now. Uh, this is season six. Are there any black sheep in your family? We're talking about black sheep. You might even be the black sheep. And if you are, you're in pretty good company because uh, there was a lot of very interesting characters that lived within the family of Jesus. But yet God still chose them to be a part of the ancestral line of Christ. So, uh, hey, uh, my wife is with us. She is awesome. Kara Whitney. Hi. The beautiful Kara Whitney. And I love having Kara uh, with us. Today, we will be talking about Ruth the Outsider. Ruth. Kara and I always laugh. We always, whenever we say the name Ruth, we go, Ruth. I don't know. Ruth is just, I mean, she's a great character in the Bible, but I don't know. Ruth. 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 This is one of those names I don't think we ever considered naming our daughter Ruth. I don't know why. Just If your name is Ruth. Ruth. It's like, you know, it's like here in Nebraska, the, the city of Ord. Ord. Wow. You know. So if Ord, your name is it's Ruth. It's just a bad name. Not that there's Ord. anything wrong with that. Ruth of Ord. Ruth of Ord. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Ruth of Ord. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Brian. Uh, Brian's going to uh, uh, read this, and Kara and I will comment on it. Kara, we love you. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. All right. Have you ever thought about how many of the things that define your story are completely out of your control? I mean, things like when or where you were born, like whether you were born into a nice, loving family or a dysfunctional, abusive family, whether your mom was a health nut or a drug addict. I mean, you had no real say in any of that. Then there are the things you can control, like the decisions you make every day. But sometimes the things we had no control over so influence the choices we make, we end up making one bad decision after another. So often then, people excuse poor choices and blame their circumstances or the people around them. You know, once you're excusing and rationalizing poor choices, you've essentially given up and are acknowledging defeat. But what if that could change? What if you could rise above the things you had no control over and take charge of defining your own story? One courageous woman did just that. Ruth was a Moabitess. While that means little to us, it would have been highly offensive to the Hebrew people. They hated the Moabites. Well, and the Moabites hated them. There was a famine in the land, so Elimelech departed from the land of promise and headed to Moab with his wife, Naomi and their two sons. Shortly after they arrived in Moab, Elimelech died. His two sons married Moabite women, but soon the sons died as well. Now Naomi is stuck in Moab with her two Moabite daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpha, which created a rather desperate situation. Naomi learned that the famine back home was over, so she instructed her two daughters-in-law to return to their families and she'd go back home. The girls were young and could remarry, but she knew there would be no future for them among the Hebrew people. One daughter-in-law kissed Naomi goodbye and left. It's really hard to blame her for that. 
But Ruth refused to leave Naomi. She declared that Naomi's God would be her God and that she would stay with Naomi and love her and care for her. For all practical purposes, Ruth was giving up any chance for a happy life. In an act of selfless love, she would dedicate herself to the care of Naomi in a land where she was not wanted. So the two of them journeyed to Bethlehem to live out their days. From this point on in the story, Ruth would be referred to as Ruth the Moabitess, the outsider. In time, Ruth offered to go to the fields during the barley harvest to gather grain for their survival. For a single girl to go out into the fields alone was extremely dangerous, but there was little choice if they were to survive. While in the fields, she met a wealthy landowner named Boaz, a relative of Elimelech, Naomi's late husband. Boaz, aware of how selfless and faithful Ruth had been to Naomi, vowed to take care of her and protect her. Then through a series of events, Boaz, impressed with the integrity and character of this young Moabitess, takes her to be his wife, and she gives birth to a son. This, of course, was an unexpected blessing to both Ruth and Naomi. Upon seeing what God had done for them, the local women told Naomi that Ruth, the Moabitess, was better to her than seven sons. Ruth had every reason to be angry and bitter. I mean, it wasn't her fault that Elimelech and family came to Moab. It wasn't her fault that Elimelech and her husband died. It wasn't her fault that the Hebrew people hated her. But in the midst of all that, instead of turning bitter, she chose to turn to Naomi's God and to love and care for her mother-in-law at the expense of her own future. The text tells us that Boaz specifically took Ruth as his wife because of her character and integrity and selfless love for Naomi. The book of Ruth ends by telling us that Boaz and Ruth had a son who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. Yes, in the family line of Jesus, we find Ruth, an outsider, a Moabitess, the girl from the wrong side of the tracks listed as the great-grandmother of King David. I mean, again, why advertise these stories in the line of Jesus? Why not keep them quiet and hope that nobody figures it out? Well, because the whole point of Jesus' coming was to rescue sinners in need of a Savior. We're all in need of rescue. About the time we think there is no hope, Along comes Jesus and invites us into the greatest love story ever. There are so many things about your story you can't control or change. However, none of us are helpless victims. Don't settle for that. We can all choose Jesus and invite him to change our story for good. So let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. I just want to let everybody know full disclosure on the show. Um, the phrase, while in the field, she met a wealthy landowner named Boaz, a relative of Emelec, Noemi's late husband. Brian had to do that four times. Because <laughs> it's such a That's tongue. a mouthful. It is a right? mouthful. It's a tongue twister. And also, before we get into this, I think this is an interesting story. I was just notified that Oprah Winfrey was actually supposed to be named after uh, Orpa. Orpa. But they misspelled it on the 
That's the true story, right? Well, that's what I was told. I'm glad they screwed up and called her Oprah because Orville Winfrey sounds like like after a horse is ran and it's like you're stopped and it's Orville Winfrey. Uh, wow. No, I hadn't thought of that. I haven't thought of that either. Yeah, that's good. So you know, I'm glad. A, so that's it. look at God taking care of it. I have a Oprah. cousin in Florida named Okra. Wow. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. Orca Whitney. Or, uh-huh. Orca. Well, it was supposed Oprah to be Orca, Orca. but they misspelled it. She was a large baby. <laughs> and it was going to be Orca, uh-huh. but they misspelled it, and it's, now it's Okra. Okay. So there's a lot of crazy Orca things going Win- with these Whitney. names. We might want to take all that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, leave it in. It's good stuff. Well, just to pull out of that. Okay, well, let's, uh, let me the, ask Here's a question. the big question. Okay, you yeah. ask. Well, you know, everybody dwells on their past, Brian, but they can't do anything to change it. So why? Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a very common problem. But again, I think it goes back to a previous conversation. If if God grades on the curve, and this is all performance-based, then the past is part of the story, and people dwell in the past because they can't change it, and they think that's what disqualifies them from God. So it starts with a complete misunderstanding of God and his grace and his salvation. Absolutely. We all have a story. And, and and God God tells us um, once we believe in Him, those are forgotten. That's forgotten. Grace is so contrary to everything we experience in this world. I've even gone so far as to say, uh, even as an apologetic, as a defense for the faith, grace is so contrary to everything we know in this world. It could have only originated in the mind of God. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's part of it is we just struggle to believe that could possibly be true. Well, I think, too, uh, the way God has grace for people, it, it can be offensive to some people. Some people don't think certain people should have that same yeah. access to the gift. Yeah, that's right? true. That's because they see themselves as measuring up pretty good. Yeah. And they're, and they're offended by others that they see as not measuring up. So um, good. I... I don't know. When you keep asking God to forgive you for the same thing, I always wonder how God perceives that. I know that you, we, we continue to beat ourselves up over the head with the same thing, but if we keep asking him for forgiveness for the same thing, I don't know if that, what that says to God, that we don't trust him, that he's taken it away. I mean, how, how often do you run into that in ministry? Quite uh, a bit? Yeah, it's very common. So run through the grid, your own grid as a parent, and your one of your kids does something yeah. wrong, and they come back and ask forgiveness, and they just can't seem to get by it, no matter how many times you tell them that you've forgiven them. At some point, it's hurtful. Yeah, It's like, why can't you just trust me? I've forgiven you. Let's move on. But they hang on to it and continue to make an issue. I, I, I think it's probably similar to that. I think it grieves God's heart that we can't believe he tells the truth he's forgiven us Ugh, let's move on continue to do stupid stuff i can just picture him oh you know he's got his you know he's, he i picture him having the same look that archie had when meathead did something stupid you know just uh, just that defeated look of these idiots you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's why I, I mean seriously because it's the same thing but it's a good point i've always said that too i, I go why do i continue why you know well, it's like when my kids do the same thing 
they'll do something dumb and they'll do it again. You'll say, don't do this. And then, then right. I'm, that's how I get, I get, why can't they, I'm sure that but he's the same repent, way with his kids. If you repent and you're, and you're truly sorry and you don't do that particular thing again, but you keep beating yourself up over the head for the same thing, because you know, you, when you're a disappointment to your parents, to a holy God, you uh, keep saying, well, forgive me, forgive me for this. But that, that's what we're talking about. Like how if if we told our kids they're forgiven for something, but they keep coming back and saying, are you sure I'm forgiven for that? How annoying oh, that okay. would, would be. Or, yeah, or gr- hurtful, gr- hurtful mm-hmm. because you would say like, man, I, you can trust me. I think the other thing I see a lot of too is – the person who says, I know God's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. I I see that a lot. I've seen that with uh, a family member. And I say, but then you're just saying that your standard is higher than God's. Yeah, that, and that's exactly right. That is that is what they're saying. But it's rooted in a lack of understanding of who God is and what God says is true uh, and believe in it. So you know, it's not a try harder religion. It's not like grit your teeth and try harder to get over the past. Mm -hmm. You have to learn and grow in your understanding of who God is and who he is as a gracious, merciful God and what he's promised and then actually believe it. And that's, that's the way to get past that. You know, I've contended for years that a lot of us as Christians, we simply don't believe what we say we believe. If we did, our lives would look really different. It's like we can we can repeat it back, but but those kind of circumstances is if I can't accept God's forgiveness, then I apparently don't really believe what I say I believe. I don't really believe He is a gracious and merciful God. I don't really believe that He has forgiven me for that. If I really believe that, then I would let it go. I hope anyone listening that's struggling with that type of forgiveness just really hears that what Brian said in that it just takes the weight off like your standard is not higher than God's God's forgiven you so move on it, it if you're repentant I think that's important I think we breeze they breeze over oh God Jesus loves you forgives you but there has to be a form of repentance in there as well yeah and well, repentance is very different from being sorry mm-hmm a lot of people are sorry, and you, you kind of get the sin-sorry cycle where I sin, I'm really sorry, then I do it again, I'm really sorry. But repentance is is more like putting a stake in the ground and realizing this is offensive to God. It has to stop and choosing to go a different direction. It's not just being sorry and repeating right. the same thing over and over again. What about, uh, say, the uh, alcoholic that's a Christian? You know, he's a Christian. He's really doing his best to not drink. And every five months he slips up. I mean, and he, I mean, is it the same thing? Lord, I'm sorry. Can you? For, I mean, does he not have to, like, ask for forgiveness for that? He's already been forgiven for it, but he's still occasionally doing it. You know, Jesus talked about being forgiven 70 times 7. It's like if he's truly repentant and it grieves his heart, I mean, I think that's at the core of it is I don't want to be that way. 
I, I have a passion for righteousness. I want to live uprightly, and that's why sin grieves me. And I'm guessing a person like that, they look in the mirror, they're not, they're not happy with themselves. They're, right. they're, they're, not, they're very discouraged that it happened again. But that's true. Repentance is like, I don't want that. I want to walk uprightly, and, and God's forgiveness right. sets them free. But they have, to, they have to be willing to accept that and not hang on to it and dwell on it. You know, Galatians 5 says uh, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. It, it's like right. he wants you to experience the freedom of his forgiveness, not be enslaved I, to something. And I don't think, I think that's the problem with people understanding what the real Jesus is all about. I think they get such a false vision, a false picture of what being a Christian is. Because you always hear people that aren't Christians, ah, hypocrite. You know, look at him over there wearing the, blah, blah. didn't think Christians were, well, that's what you think a Christian. You know what I mean? They just don't have any idea. And that's what we're dealing with today. The people don't, and that, that's what I hope that this podcast does for people, that they understand what the real Jesus is all about, you know? Yeah, at, the, at the end of the day, what defines a Biblically, a Christian is, of all the people in the world, we're the ones that have acknowledged, hey, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't save myself. I need a Savior. That's more of a right. brokenness than it is a, a hypocrisy. Listen, if you're, if, if you're being told by somebody that whatever you're doing is okay because Jesus hung out with hookers and Jesus hung out with... You know, and it's okay because Jesus loves everybody because Jesus hung out with all these people. You know what? They're saying that to you, but they're not saying to you, but Jesus also said, go and sin no more. You know, Jesus didn't didn't go out at night and hang out with hookers and alcoholics because, hey, this is my lifestyle. He hung out with them to save them, to tell them. You're sinning. You need to turn from these sins. He came for sinners. So if you're being taught in any church that it's okay to live the way you're living because Jesus loves everybody and he's okay with this, then you need to get away from that immediately. It's not going to make you happy. It's going to make you even more miserable. So I'm hoping that this, this, this shows you what a true forgiving Jesus is like. Well, I would be so bold to say that if that church is telling you that the lifestyle you're living, and if it goes against God and it's offensive to God, if they tell you, but Jesus loves you, makes you happy, then that church does not love you. Because if you truly love someone, you're going to tell them the truth, that the path you're going down is going to lead to destruction and death at the end. So Absolutely. Jesus loves you, but there's repentance involved. So anyway. That's a fact. That is a fact. And, you know, look, I'm not a, a, I'm not a Bible scholar like Brian. Shoot, I'm not even, shamefully, not even as smart as my wife. But here's what I do know. I do know that the other gospel is true. I do know that I want to continue to be sanctified from the inside out. 
And I do know this, that if I don't stay engaged in the Bible in the morning or at night, something, then I will start to delve back into where I came from because you have to stay close to him. You have to, he's your friend. You can't, you know, you can't go without hanging out with these, your friend forever and ever and expect you to, things to be peachy keen like they were. You know, you have to stay engaged with Christ. It'll change your life. And that's a fact. So that's what I do know. I know that. Jesus does change your life. But uh, we live in a very unfair world. And you hear it all the time. And you see now this whole movement where everything should be fair. And I notice the people pushing the movement have more than everybody else, but they don't seem to want you to see that. But it's they want fairness, and everything's unfair. Uh, but it's very defeating, Brian. Can we delve into that a little bit? Yeah, so, yeah, just like with Ruth, nothing in that story was fair. But you can't really change or control that. You, you can make your choices, though, and I think... You're right. In a world where everybody's talking about what's fair and unfair, life can get really hard. But instead of rolling over, giving up, getting angry and bitter, we have to own the fact that we can still make choices. And at the top of the list is a choice to turn to Jesus, experience his forgiveness. Right. Uh, The ultimate unfair, Mm -hmm. that Jesus died for my sins. (laughs) But that's the basis by which I gain salvation through Christ. And let him write a new story. It, it, the alternative is to just give up and go down. And that's not much of a story. Right. So her circumstances uh, were not her fault. Things just happened. I just had this discussion with my friend Ashley. I'm going to give a shout out to small group because my friend Ashley and I, we meet. <laughs> and then we have Puppy Mondays, but we won't get into that, where we talk <laughs> biblical things. And we just talked about circumstances and the unfairness or fairness of circumstances. And it feels like when you're in those circumstances, you're living in Haiti. That's where you were born and raised. Or I, I hate when people say in the United States, we're like, we'll be raptured or things get really bad. Okay, they're really bad, mm-hmm. right? Um, we don't see it because we grab a latte and a donut and we go sit down. Um, circumstances are really bad. So here's this person in Haiti or wherever. And, and you know, we have poverty and things that are amiss here and Ruth her circumstances but it feels like God is against those people that he's not for them I mean you see the big picture in the Bible and things work out well for Ruth but man when you're sitting in it Brian can you talk to someone who's sitting in that circumstance right now yeah so unfortunately there's kind of this belief that if everything's going well God must be for you and if things are not going well or they're hurtful. So in this case, it was death and being an outsider, but it could be cancer, it could be disease, it could be lots of things. Mm-hmm. But the idea that that means God is not for me is just not true. And so it's a matter of faith. I mean, go back and read the stories. Dan's t- talked about the value of these Old Testament stories. It's like, These people went through a lot, but God was for them. 
uh, and was was in the process of growing them and changing them and growing their faith. Uh, I mean, Paul Paul goes through the whole grocery list of all the stuff he went through. I mean, he was beat up and imprisoned and stoned. If if that means he was out of the will of God, then we have a really confusing story. Yeah, right. But he was he was at dead center in the middle of what God had called him to do. So I, I think rather than jumping to that conclusion that God God hates me, God isn't for me, or, or maybe even there isn't a God, how could there be a God and all this stuff happening to me? That isn't really a good, that's an emotional basis for a pretty important decision. So it's rather going back to these fundamentals. You, you can go through really hard stuff and still experience the love of Christ and his forgiveness and a glorious future. Mm-hmm. Part of life in a fallen world is it can, be, it can get really painful. But, but for those who receive his gift, I mean, why would you not receive that? The future's absolutely glorious. Right. The story ends uh, in glorious fashion, and Jesus wins, and those of us who have invited him to be Savior win with him. That's, that's what we do know. Right. So Ruth reminds us, you can be angry and bitter. And I always ask the question, what good does that do? Right. Or you can turn to God. Well, that's all for today's Talking Truth. Be sure to subscribe so that you get all the episodes. And if you'd like to learn more about Ruth, you'll find a great resource on our website. In fact, it's a book by Pastor Nat Crawford who will be joining us again next week. Find out more at talkintruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com. Get her done.